You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. You're listening to Mackie and Judd from the TCL Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. Welcome back. It's hour number three of the Mackie and Judd Show on this Thursday, the 27th of December, 1500 ESPN, 1500ESPN.com. Those guys are out. So I am in. My name is Darren Doogie Wolfson. Manny Hill is here producing, technically directing, and co-hosting Jonathan Harrison is also in studio handling our social media channels. All right, before we get to your Vikings question, Manny, this is really dangerous. I was thinking during the break, which is always dangerous. <laughs> but we were trying to remember, right, the year of the Brad Childress not wanting the score up on the Metrodome scoreboard. Okay. So whether that was, we couldn't remember, right? We think it's 08, but might have been 07. We figured it wasn't 06, but we couldn't exactly remember. And this was like last week of the season, you're thinking? Week 17? Yes. Okay. Here's what's amazing to me. So the older son got a Nintendo Classic for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Wasn't my idea, but happy wife, happy life, right? She wanted to get it for him. Mm-hmm. So we got it for him. Well, what's ended up happening is the last couple nights, the missus and me stay up late playing Super Mario Brothers. So I haven't played... <laughs> I haven't played in, I'm 38, you know, maturity-wise, you know, I'm still finger-painting, I'm four, but age-wise, it says, my birth certificate says I was born in 1980, so but I'm 38. But you got kids, though. I mean, you know, yeah, of course you're going to have, the, the kid in you is still going to be there. Yeah, but here's what's amazing to me. So I haven't played Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers, give or take, 30 years, 29, 28 years. Mm-hmm. It's amazing, once you start playing... You remember everything. Yeah. Like, how do you warp to level four? <laughs> Boom. Level 1.2, you hop up top above the bricks and you run all the way to the end. Boom, you warp to level four. You remember yeah. where the free guys are, the beanstalk, everything. Yeah. See, that's that's me with, I. you know, I played a little Nintendo when I was, but I'm a little bit younger than you. So my first, like, I had a Nintendo too, but my my, like, prime video game playing days as a kid was with my Sega Genesis. Got uh-huh. a Sega Genesis when I was about, I think it was for my ninth birthday. I think I got one, 93. And the game, the video game that came with it, because there was always like, you know, you get a new game system, there was always like a game or something that came with it. Streets of Rage 2. I don't know if you remember that. I remember Street Fighter. I remember Mortal Kombat. Was it like those games? It was. It was. It was a beat 'em up game, but it was like you go through levels, and it, it wasn't like a fighting game like like Street Fighter okay. or Mortal Kombat was, where you have like one on one fights. You're going through like different levels, and you're fighting like a bunch of enemies and everything. But it was when I played that game. I could play that game now, 25 years later, and still remember where like all the extra lives are, where all the secret like power up. You know, objects were I could knock over this, you know, trash can and pick up this apple that's supposed to give you actual like I remember where all that stuff is now. I could play it right now. It's the same thing. But is it just that game? Like for me, it's just Super Mario yeah, Brothers. It's just, and just number game. one, by the way, because with Nintendo Classic, you get like 30 games. So mm-hmm. I tried number two, number three. I couldn't remember a thing. 
Legend of Zelda. I tried uh-huh, it. Yeah. I used to love that game. Mm-hmm. I couldn't remember couldn't one remember stinking it. thing. <laughs> now, Punch-Out, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Oh, it's a classic one. Yeah, body blow and all that stuff. Yeah. That I did remember. You know, where you duck and then go uppercut. That came back snap of the finger. Glass Joe, the easiest yes. the easiest opponent in the history of video <laughs> games, was knocking out Glass Joe, the first fighter you fight in Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. So, yeah, yeah that came back in Tech Mobile. But yeah, yeah, for whatever reason, Super Mario Brothers 2, 3, Legend of Zelda, I just, I can't remember. <laughs> but yeah, and I can't remember Brad Childress, whether it was 07 <laughs> or 08. I just can't. Okay, so what's your Viking scenario? What did you want to lay out as we look ahead to Sunday? Well, and, and I don't, let me preface this by saying I don't think it's very likely that the Vikings will even be in this position. But basically, so Seattle is playing Arizona at home on Sunday. If Seattle loses and the Vikings win, the Vikings <laughs> would go up to the five seed at yeah. nine, six, and one. Seattle would be nine and seven. So Seattle would be the six, and then they would, and then at that point, go to Chicago as a, as a six seed. Yeah, but Seattle's not losing, but let's right. just let's play this out. But if you're the Vikings and you can have an opportunity to be a five seed and go to Dallas instead of having to go into the cold weather and deal with Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks in that defense, would you prefer that? I would. But I would I too. Don't think it's the slam dunk that a lot of other people think it is. Because Dallas is good. I had this debate with Joe Schmidt, Chris Long, some other colleagues. They think it's a no-brainer. If you can play Dallas, you play Dallas. My comeback to that is it's Mitch Trubisky, mm-hmm. who might be that's, really see, good in a couple years. Thing too, yeah. But Trubisky's first playoff start. There's something, if I'm Mike Zimmer, if I'm the Vikings defense, that to me is really appealing. Mm-hmm. Now, playing outdoors, on grass, potentially under the lights. I mean, we played out all the scenarios. I don't know if the NFL views the Sunday 3.30 window or the Saturday 7 o'clock window as the most important window. So you look at wild card weekend, there's a game Saturday at 3.30, a game at 7. Mm-hmm. Then Sunday, there's a game at noon and a game at 3.30. I'm tempted to think the most important time slot to the NFL is Sunday at 3.30. Yeah. And Saturday is not a popular TV night. You yeah. know, and you think about just viewing habits of the NFL fan, it's Sunday afternoon. Mm-hmm. It's Sunday late afternoon. And that seems to be the logical spot to put the Cowboys in, right? Correct, Regardless right? Regardless of the opponent. America's team. Yeah. Which I'm sick of, but that moniker is held for whatever reason or reasons for a number of years. And that would be the game that Joe Buck and Troy Aikman do. Yeah, so don't you think the NFL says, okay, the Cowboys, home playoff game, they get the Sunday 3.30 slot. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's Seahawks-Cowboys. Yeah, I think Seattle beats Arizona at home. Yeah, I do too. And if Arizona loses, they clinch the number one pick in the draft. Not that Josh Rosen and others on the field are thinking that. (laughs) But if there's any way for Arizona's management to influence the game, you know, whether it's during the game, phoning down to the coaching staff, whatever, although the coach (laughs) is in jeopardy. Heck, we can get to that with Pelissero next segment. But if there's any way to influence the outcome, I think Arizona wants to lose that game. Mm -hmm. So they get the number one pick. Right, it just it holds appeal. Even if the Oregon quarterback is going back to school, if there's not this great quarterback, somebody will still want to move up for the Ohio State quarterback. Right, you want to have Haskins. the number one pick. Yeah. So I and think Arizona, Arizona needs offensive line help too. Yeah, and I just I think Seattle having a lot on the line. I think if you're Seattle, I think you'd rather go to Dallas. Oh, absolutely, than to Chicago. So I think Seattle wins on Sunday. So Seattle is the five seed. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I think Seahawks Cowboys is the Sunday three thirty game. 
going back many years, they don't put two NFC games the same day. So you figure Sunday at noon, I think that would be Chargers-Ravens if everything mm-hmm. plays out chalk. Yep. So then you have Saturday. You have the 3.30 slot and the 7 o'clock so- slot on Saturday, January 5th. That would be the You would have probably the, Texans. the Colts or Titans against the Texans, it looks like. Mm-hmm. Right? The Patriots beat the Jets. They're the two seed. The Texans are like the kings of that first they are. playoff game. Yeah, they, I can every picture them against year the they Chiefs. make the playoffs. Yeah. It's always them. They're always but the first playoff. They're not going to go in prime time, right? right. So no, yeah, I think I it's Texans against Colts or Texans against Titans yep. Saturday at 3.30. So then you've got Vikings Bears, 7 o'clock under the lights Saturday <laughs> night. So, yeah, there's just something about that, right? Kirk Cousins in prime time. Yeah. Mike Zimmer now, just about through year five, has one victory on the road against a team with a winning record. The Green Bay Packers a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Now, to me, the win this year in Philadelphia is pretty significant. But that's just the way it is. And, you know, you can monkey with the numbers and all that and make the numbers look as appealing as you want. But we know that the Vikings have struggled on the road under Mike Zimmer, especially outdoors on the road under Mike Zimmer, going back to his first year. Yeah, cause, So I get it. So going to Chicago, yeah. you could be like, yeah, and don't you remember November 18th? How poorly that went? So I get it. But I'm just saying, I think it's close. And I told you, my answer is Dallas. So mm-hmm. if you're telling me the Vikings can play in Dallas or in Chicago, give me Dallas. I just don't think but Dallas is it's a slam good. dunk because of Trubisky. Yeah, and, and with Dallas, too, I mean, I would prefer them – to go play Dallas too, but Dallas's defense, especially at home, has been very, very good. I mean, they they shut down the Saints, and the Saints were like on fire leading up to that game, and they went in there and held the Saints to like ten points. And so, I mean, that defense when they when they can get fired up in front of that crowd at AT and T Stadium, they can be they can be tough to move the ball on. But I I just I just don't think the the Cowboys are as good as the Bears, so that's why you know in terms of like team overall. Um, and that's probably why I would prefer the Vikings go to Dallas. But the thing, the only thing that terrifies me about the Bears is if it's the Saturday night single digit temperatures against that defense, Kirk Cousins playing in a you know a prime time game. I mean, that's I'm still a little hesitant to wanna to wanna see that. Even though, even though it is very intriguing to have to watch Mike Zimmer's defense go up against Mitch Trubisky, who could go into that with a deer in the headlights. Hell, when they played back in November, he had a deer in the headlights. He yeah, was I mean, how many of those game. throws did he sail? Yeah, plenty of them. I mean, he can be really inaccurate. Then you think about early January in Chicago. I reached out to Channel 5 Chief Meteorologist Dave Dahl, told him to do a deep dive 10 days out for the forecast in Chicago, 14 days out, whatever it is from now. January 5th right now in Chicago, 9, 10 days out. At night, so Saturday night, January 5th, the 10-day outlook, we're talking like close to single digits and windy. Uh, So, I mean, you know, ideal Chicago weather, perfect Chicago weather for January. It's what you would expect, right? If you live in Chicago and it's January 5th at night, you'd expect it to be windy and cold, right? Regardless of whether it's the Vikings or the Seahawks going, going to that environment, that just reeks of like 16 to 13. Probably, yeah. Like, I mean, even if it's Seattle, like, you know, you go in, Seattle's running the ball and they're trying to play defense and all that. That just reeks of, like, whether it's the Vikings or Seahawks going in there 16-13. to I don't know who would win, but that's what it kind of sounds like. I'll tell you what really stinks about being the sixth seed. If you win, 
You then go to New Orleans. Yep. That really That's stinks. the other reason why I wanted to avoid right. being the sixth And it's a credit to the Vikings, the Vikings for yeah. raising the bar this year incredibly high, right? Entering the year. Now, a lot of weird things have happened. Everson Griffin, Tony Sperano's death go up and down the list. So just for them to make the playoffs, you could argue everything they've had to overcome, all the adversity, it's been a successful year if they make the playoffs. But to me, they raised the bar so high coming off last year, merely making the playoffs isn't good enough for me. You need to do something yeah. in the playoffs. This is why you win. And you think about the road to Atlanta. You'd have to win three road games just to get to Atlanta, including the Superdome. Mm -hmm. How the heck are you winning down there? Yeah, that's, I mean, the only thing I would say is that the Saints haven't looked quite as powerful the last few weeks as they did, you know, maybe when they came in to U.S. Bank Stadium to play the Vikings. You know, maybe I guess it was, what, about two months ago now? But... That that environment, that quarterback, and you know Michael Thomas and my guy Alvin Kamara, like, I mean, I suppose that would be a good problem to have, right? Sure. Bring it on. That means the Vikings have mojo coming off a victory in mm-hmm. Chicago. Yep. Right. I mean, at that point, you just say, "Bring it on." The big bad Saints. We beat you last year. Bring it on. We'll take you on. You know. So I mean, you could look at it from that standpoint, but yeah, I mean, to answer your question, it's Dallas. I actually think I'm on an island. I think a lot of people think. It's clearly Dallas. Like, I'm saying it's close, but it's Dallas. I think a lot Mm -hmm. of people are saying, you idiot, it's Dallas in a blowout. (laughs) What the heck are you talking about? The Vikings going to Chicago, potentially under the lights, on Saturday night, January 5th, trying to score on that defense in that cold weather. But I also think part of it is just because of the history of the Vikings going into Chicago. All the time. Even when the Bears are bad, it's just like, you know, you go into Chicago and it's just like that That place is, I've said it for years, that place is a house of horrors for the Vikings. It's always like a very difficult place to play. Even like last year when they won on that Monday nighter where they started Bradford and then he was ineffective and they put Keenum back in. I mean, that was a grinded out tough, you know, I think they won, I don't think it was 20 to 17, I think it was. Like that place is just hell. Yes. It really is. I'm not denying that. So I'm telling you, I very yeah. much, I think, probably am on an island. We can run your question, your scenario by our next guest. It is Tom Pelissero of the NFL Network. Pelissero joins after this. And now it is... People, people, I have an important announcement. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout. Yeah. On 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Okay, man. On 1500 ESPN. All right, quick check on traffic here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Uh, let's check a crash in Little Canada, 36 eastbound between Rice Street and 35E. Be on the lookout for that crash there in that area. They may add uh, a few minutes to your commute. Doogie? Manny? Tom Pelissero had something come up. He just needs a few more minutes. So we'll talk to Tom 10-ish minutes from now. I'm still mm-hmm. hopeful that we'll be joined by Bryce Dixon, the agent for Nelson Cruz. But I know he was flying this afternoon. Put it this way, I'm actually back in desperate times, desperate measures. So I'm back in tomorrow, 3 to 6. So if for whatever reason we can't connect with Nelson Cruz's agent today, maybe we have him on tomorrow. If people don't know, Nelson Cruz has agreed to terms with the Twins. Some other headlines from today. Ewell Erickson X sent down to the Miners by the Wild. Matt Dumba out at least three months. The Wild back in action after the holiday break tonight. 
in Chicago, Xavier Rhodes, Eric Kendrick, C.J. Ham, and Marcus Sherrills all missing practice for the Vikings for a second consecutive day. For the Bears, Aaron Lynch, Allen Robinson, and Eddie Jackson out. So it looks like maybe those three guys missed the game for the Bears. For the Vikings at this point, you missed practice Wednesday, you missed practice Thursday, you're probably out. Not for sure. I mean, maybe Rhodes can fight through and play a few snaps on Sunday. Linval Joseph and Mike Remmers missed practice yesterday. They were back in a limited role today, which is positive. I mean, those guys have been around the block for a while. Yeah. Veterans, you know, they can practice in limited fashion, then play on Sunday. Also, what else is going on today, Manny? The Wolves are off. They won last night in Chicago. Back in action tomorrow night at home against Atlanta. And in the first hour, we had Connor Rhoda, the former Gophers quarterback in studio. Mm-hmm. He's got a bright future. If he wants to go the analyst route, yeah. he's a really smart dude. So he can make a lot more money doing something else. But <laughs> if he wants to get into TV or radio, he's really good yeah. analyzing the game. So we had the former Gophers quarterback in studio for a good portion of the first hour. Breaking down the Gophers' quick lane bowl victory over Georgia Tech. Then looking ahead to 2019, year three for PJ Flex. So if you miss that, it's podcastable on 1500 ESPN.com. Let's do a couple minutes, Manny, on the Wolves. 16 and 18 through 34 games, two consecutive wins, yet, heck, you can't move anywhere in the Western Conference. They're still stuck in the 13th spot, middle purgatory. Now, maybe it's recency bias, Manny, my obsession with watching Duke watching a lot of Trey Jones, but then also watching a lot of Zion Williamson. Mm -hmm. And the odds are going to be different. They switched the lottery odds. So if you finish with like the fifth worst record, don't you have about the same chance as the worst team? I think so. Yeah, I mean, it's favoring teams that try to play out the season, try to win games. Not significantly, but they're tweaking it. So that kicks in with the next lottery. So I guess that would be next May. So the 2019 NBA draft lottery, then with the NBA draft in June. So maybe it's recency bias watching a lot of Zion Williamson. But I think I'd rather be in a position to just have a chance to win the first pick Mm -hmm. than fight in such an uber-competitive conference for an eighth seed. And it's not a real deep draft. So if you miss the playoffs, ending up with pick 11 or 12, now, heck, right? Josh Okogie's a really good player. It looks like his mm-hmm. future's really bright. So it looks like they nailed the 20th pick in the draft. But it just feels like... But your chances are better the higher you are. Yeah, and it feels like once you get past the top three or four, it's just kind of a it's kind of a crapshoot, at least with this, with this coming draft class. Like, Zion Williamson is, like, legit. This kid's going to come in and be fantastic. And, I and like, everybody says that. I've yeah. yet to find anybody. I had David Thorpe. On my podcast earlier in the week, Bobby mm-hmm. Marks, it looks like from ESPN, will join the show tomorrow, former Nets assistant general manager. I mean, all these guys that I know in the league, people in the league right now, some of my scout buddies, yeah. front office executive buddies. This kid's legit, man. I mean, I've run his name by a lot of people. Manny, I haven't heard one person say, yeah, there's some warts there. And he's not perfect. I think like everybody thinks he's going to be a multi-time all-star. I think the only, if there's anything in his game that I guess you would call like a wart or a weakness is that he probably needs to, to to develop a maybe a little bit more of a consistent jumper, but like he's got everything else, man. He's got the athleticism. He can handle the ball. He's a great passer. 
We know what he can do in the open floor. I mean, he's he's he plays with confidence. I mean, everything about this kid just seems like legit superstar. You know who put me on him years ago? Sam Mitchell, former Wolves interim head coach, former Wolves player. Yeah. He coached Williamson when Williamson was like a sophomore in high school in some Adidas event, mm-hmm. some national event. So Sam coached him for a number of weeks. He told me then, he's like, just remember the name, Zion Williamson. <laughs> you know, and you oftentimes know if a kid is a star as a sophomore in that sport, you're typically a star as a senior. Mm-hmm. Then you're a star when you get to college. And oftentimes you're a star in the NBA. But yeah, in the case of Zion Williamson, he is going to be a star. But then the comeback is you have Carl Anthony Towns, you have Andrew Wiggins. Like, enough is enough. Right now they got to experience the playoffs last year, mm-hmm. but just five games, quick, boom, you're done. Don't you really need to play this thing out? Give them all the experience that you can get them so they play in these high intensity games that you shouldn't yeah. be. When you've got these two young guys, and we can debate how good Wiggins will ever be. I think know, that's now the tough this many part. years in. I mean, this might be who Wiggins is. Well, I think, and I think that's what makes this. I think Wiggins is who, who ultimately creates this conversation that we're having now about, you know, well, should they just tank it out and try and get Zion or, you know, RJ Barrett or Cam Reddish or somebody like that? So get somewhere in the top five to maybe get one of those guys, or should they try and. If Wiggins had been living up to what so many of us had anticipated him being and living up to this contract that he has now, you're you're not feeling as desperate to add like a third potential star player to this mix because you feel like, okay, you got Cat and then boy, you know, Wiggins looks fantastic and all of this other stuff. But now it's like because Wiggins were still sort of waiting for him to blossom. And there's the question of if he ever will blossom at all. That's where we're at now, where it feels like, man, if we can get Zion Williamson or R.J. Barrett or somebody like that, that'd be great. Then then, then they'll be in good shape. I mean, how good was Wiggins on Sunday, though? Oh, oh by the way, no Teague? Yeah. No Rose? No Rose? He was brilliant. I get it. Relatively small sample size, but and is he a different player? <laughs> yeah, is he a different player when you have a ball-dominant point guard? And many point guards dominate the ball. But mm-hmm. in the case of Teague and Rose, they really dominate the ball. Yeah. So is Wiggins better off with a Tyus Jones-type player? Or do you just dismiss one game? Oklahoma City played Saturday night. And you know uh, didn't have a lot of energy on Sunday. So that was a schedule break for the Wolves playing Oklahoma City on Sunday. Here's the funny thing. That it was thing. just one game. Here's the funny thing, too, Doogie. I mean, you, you think about when was Wiggins a better player? He played with Rubio. Mm-hmm. Wiggins was a better player when he played with Ricky Absolutely. Rubio. You know, Ricky Ricky was a little ball dominant, but Ricky was looking to make plays for other people. He wasn't looking for his own shot. And he found ways to get Wiggins better shots, and, you know, they, they weren't playing as much of this isolation one-on-one stuff that they've played in the last year or so under Tibbs. And I don't know. I and mean, he got I, to the I, hoop on Sunday. Yeah. He took three-pointers. Top of your head. You watch these games religiously. Top of your head. Did he take more than one or two 15-foot jumpers? 17-foot jumpers? Last night? No, no, Sunday. Oh, Sunday? So his great game. His one great game in the last month. Yeah. 
Um, he took really smart shots. I'm yeah, just telling you. Top of my head, he took really smart shots. Well, we either finished it, at the at the basket or he made threes. We he didn't take those stupid the, 17 footers. We talked about it on the podcast the morning. Me and Danny Cunningham, Dane Moore, new raised by Wolves up now on 1500ESPN.com. We talked about because Dane wrote in his piece on Monday about going back to you know trying the point Wiggins thing again that Tibbs mm. tried in his first year mm-hmm. where you're letting Andrew kind of handle the ball at the top of the key and set some ball screens for him and let him try and create things. I think now with uh, an improved Carl Anthony Towns and let see if Towns and Wiggins can get like a two man game going like a screen and roll ball screen type of game going with those two guys and see if Andrew can see if you can utilize that better with Andrew because it's it's tough. I mean, we thought last year when they traded for Butler, we thought, well, this is going to be great for Wiggins because now he's not he's not taking the tough the toughest defensive assignment anymore because Butler's going to handle all of that and Jimmy's going to make some plays for Andrew and he doesn't have to handle the ball as much and you know, then we saw Wiggins regress last year offensively. And then then it got to the point where when the Butler drama started, then it was like, boy, we get Jimmy out of town, boy, that's going to help Wiggins, it's going to help Andrew and we're still seeing the same thing even post butler now so it's just it's like at some point something has to give here with this kid two dunks all of december man that just boggles my mind unbelievable jimmy butler in a wolves uniform has more dunks this year than andrew wiggins that freak athleticism on the basketball court i don't know what kind of athlete wiggins is away from the basketball court but on the basketball court freak athlete he has two dunks i know the entire month of december All right, when we come back, minimum, we'll have Tom Pelissero. Maximum, we may go with Bryce Dixon, the agent for Nelson Cruz, and Tom Pelissero. Although Bryce, I was texting with him. I knew he was flying this afternoon, and he's got an iPhone, so it's normally iMessage. But I sent him a text, and it went green. Sent this text message, which means he might be in the air. But I told you, I'm back in tomorrow, 3 to 6. So if we don't have the agent for Nelson Cruz, newest Minnesota twin, if we don't have the agent for Cruz... Now, I will try to get him on the show tomorrow. So minimum, Pelissero, maximum a couple guests when we come back. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. So long, losers! On 1500 ESPN. Now, back to Mackie and Judd. Hello, boys. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. So what do you think? It's <laughs> pretty cool, I guess. On 1500 ESPN. Welcome back to the Mackie and Judd Show, 535 here on 1500 ESPN, 1500ESPN.com. Those guys are out. I am in. My name is Darren Doogie Wolfson. He's a Thursday fixture on the Mackie and Judd Show. He does phenomenal work for the NFL Network. He is Minnesota's own, the pride of Edina, the pride of Boston College. Once got into it with Doug Flutie in a pickup basketball game. He is Tom Pelissero. Hi, Tom. Happy holidays. That was a very thorough rundown of my resume, Dukes. I appreciate it. Happy holidays to you as well. Did Flutie, like, knock you out? I'm trying to remember the details. No, it was uh, It's a bit of a long story, but the short version would be I landed on his throwing shoulder while going up for a rebound. He retaliated with a solid elbow to the guts of a guy <laughs> who may have been slightly overserved the previous night, and it uh, did not end well for me on the baseline. Oh, that is classic. All right, were you at Vikings today? And if you were, what stood out? Well, I think that the one thing that stood out was just that it's a pretty loose locker room for a group that has so much expectations on them being a you know potential Super Bowl contender. They've done everything they have this season to have had 
uh, some adversity facing them. I mean, between a coordinator change and some of the tough losses they've had, it, it does seem like a fairly loose group this week, which I guess you can say is a positive sign. They're not all sitting there gripping it too tight, and everybody from Mike Zimmer to teammates have said that Kirk Cousins is uh, pretty much the same guy that he always is. Now, we all know that the criticism of Kirk Cousins centers around his performance in big games, high-profile games. This certainly falls under that category. Uh, you just have to hope, if you're the Vikings, that some of those flashes that you've seen on offense from them the past couple of weeks with Kevin Stefanski calling the plays can carry over. So you can put some points on the board, and then your defense can do what it's done for really about two, three months now, which is pretty much make it tricky on everybody to, to put up points against them. As you prognosticate the game on Sunday, can that offensive success carry over? It's one thing to do it against the Dolphins and Lions. It's another thing to do it against the Bears. Well, if, you, if you're looking for the weakness in the Bears' defense, you'd have to say it's uh, the secondary. They've been thinned out a little bit by injuries there. Uh, the problem is you've got to deal with that front from Khalil Mack to Leonard Floyd to Akeem Hicks. They're not going to give you a lot of time. They're not going to give you a ton of openings in the running game. You can look at them statistically in a lot of categories. They're one of the best. And they are a team that leads the NFL right now with 36 takeaways. They, you know, the biggest thing, and Kyle Rudolph kept speaking about this today, besides converting on third downs, is they can't give them any gifts. They can't give them turnovers. You look back at that first game, Dalvin Cook has a fumble in the red zone. Kirk Cousins takes a sack on first and ten in the red zone. There's interception right before halftime, which is a miscommunication uh, with Kyle Rudolph. And then in the fourth quarter, they've still got a shot despite everything that had gone wrong. And Cousins makes a bad decision trying to throw the ball uh, to Laquan Treadwell, just a throw that he absolutely shouldn't have made. Those are the plays you can't afford. Now, you are in your home field. That's going to create more of a challenge for the Bears in the running game. Uh, you've got, you know, I, I would say on paper more to play for than the Bears do, but they've still got enough out there that uh, you shouldn't have any worries about whether or not they're going to match your intensity. They've just got to play a, a clean game. And, again, that defense, especially – Inside U.S. Bank Stadium is a lot to handle. Tommy, what's what's your viewpoint or, or, or what's your takeaway on where the Bears at or where the Bears are at right now with Mitch Trubisky and how he's progressed over the course of this year? Well, I think that with Trubisky now, you know, in the first game against the Vikings, of course they they performed pretty well against Trubisky. They forced him into a couple of uh, you know bad interceptions. Um, you know, they only, I think he only threw for 165 yards. They really went through the run game there. Uh, Matt Nagy has really given him a chance. You know, some of the creativity, the volume of plays that they use, uh, the way that they work, the run-pass option game, the play-action game. Um, now, if you look at Trubisky's numbers against, for instance, the Blitz, you could say he's regressed. Um, you know, but when he's playing, playing from a clean pocket, which you do more when you get that play-action game going, uh, he's been awfully good. You know, it all fits hand-in-hand with one of the NFL's dominating defenses. A run game that can hit you inside, can hit you outside. He does have a lot of weapons, and they've invested in that over time. Do you have a sense, Tom, if the Vikings will be without all of Kendricks, Rhodes, Ham, and Sherrills? Yeah, it's difficult to prognosticate injuries even on a Thursday, Dukes, but I would say this. Kendricks has not practiced since he hurt the hamstring. You know, that's five straight missed practices. You would think that does not point toward him being available for this game. With Xavier Rhodes, he has shown in the past that he can play with virtually no practice time. And you know, Mike Zimmer has made some quips in the past about how uh, Rhodes' injuries can sometimes look a lot worse than they actually end up being. <laughs> Seemed to be in good spirits, had a little bit of a limp, but he always has a little bit of that in his gait, frankly. Uh, we'll see whether he's out there tomorrow. That'll say a lot. And 
I fully expect that Roseville List is questionable on the injury report just because, again, he's proven that he's a guy who he does not necessarily need a lot of practice work in order to be able to go out there and function on Sundays. What was that quote, Tommy, a couple of weeks ago from Zimmer? That's just Xavier being Xavier when somebody asked him about him coming out of games once in a while? Yeah, he had, he, Zimmer said, I've got some nicknames for him. And I said, anything that you can say on camera? He said, well, it's nothing dirty. Just some names for him. So you can use your imagination on what those uh, nicknames might be. Are you ready for Black Monday? I don't think we're ever ready. You know, I, I spent a lot of today uh, on the phone with various people. This is, a, this is a fascinating year for it because you've got two head coaching openings. You've got a couple of others, um, the Jets being one. The Broncos certainly look like another that are for sure out. Uh, you've got a couple other that are leaning that direction. And then there's a lot of uncertainty. And even beyond that, there's so much uncertainty with who is going to take these jobs. We've already seen the Ravens hold on to John Harbaugh. The Panthers, uh, my colleague Ian Rappaport reported last weekend, are expected to hold on to Ron Rivera. You've probably got some owners looking around right now and saying, how do we get an upgrade? You've got Mike McCarthy, who won a lot of games. I know what the reputation is um, based on how things ended the past couple of years, but that's a guy who uh, you know, led to had a big role in Brett Favre's late career revival. He played a big role in Aaron Rodgers' development as a young quarterback uh, and won over 61% of his games, 10 playoff games in the Super Bowl. He's going to have a job if he wants a job. Josh McDaniels, um, as much as I never thought we'd be talking about this last February when he backed out on the Colts job after accepting it, um, he's got a pretty good chance, too, but it's just got to be the right fit for everyone involved, including Josh. And then you've got a lot of question marks. I mean, the teams go the retread route. If guys like Adam Gase gets fired, uh, he would be a candidate for jobs, certainly. Even Vance Joseph or Todd Bowles, potentially, in a place that knows them, could be candidates for jobs. Did you see some older coaches like Vic Fangio at 860 getting his first shot? Or will teams... Take a shot on college coaches. Will you, will you see some really young coaches, offensive assistants get chances? There's, just, there's not a lot of those dialed-up, ready-made, clear-cut offensive coordinator candidates who tend to make up um, a disproportionate majority of the hires, and that means you're going to see the Packers do uh, probably a dozen or more interviews. They did a couple of Jim Caldwell and Chuck Pagano. Same thing with the Browns. They are going to cast a wide net. You might see more people get interviews and in past years, and considering that 27 different coaches got head coaching interviews a year ago, that would be a pretty big number. Tommy, thank you. I'll see you soon. You got it, boys. Tom Pelissero, NFL Network. I'm going to hell. I'm blowing off Roycey, the rap with Roycey. Seriously, the man gives me his condo in Fort Myers for multiple days. His convertible. Heck, many would argue he belongs still hosting in this time slot. Yet I am blowing him off because Bryce Dixon, the agent for Nelson Cruz. I talked to Pat on the phone. He's he's totally good with okay. it. Yeah. Right. He's like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. No worries. All right, so Bryce Dixon, the agent for Nelson Cruz, will join us to wrap up the show next. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Just a reminder, this station does not endorse this. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready. On 1500 ESPN. Welcome back. Final segment time here on 1500 ESPN. Normally, it's time to wrap with Roycey, Patrick Roycey, but Roycey couldn't stomach being on the day after a Gophers Bowl victory. So we are blowing him off. We'll bring him back into the conversation tomorrow. So joining us now, he's the agent for the newest Minnesota twin, Nelson Cruz. His name is Bryce Dixon. 
Bryce, thank you so much for your time. Just take us through the dynamics of how the deal got done. Presumably you had multiple offers. How did you, how did Nelson decide on the Twins and decide today versus some of the other offers that you had? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we've uh, been negotiating for the last few weeks with the Twins. It came down to to the Twins, the Astros, and the Rays. And as you can tell, we ultimately decided that the Twins were the best fit, and here we are. Why are the Twins the best fit? They presented the uh, the best offer, and Thad uh, did a great job uh, recruiting Nelson. He knows him from his time in Texas, so they uh, they established a dialogue with each other, uh, apart from me even. Uh, they didn't talk numbers, obviously, but um, they, they spoke throughout the entire process, and I think Thad kind of gave him the vision of uh, what the Twins wanted from him, and uh, it came together. In addition to Levine, did others, whether it's Rocco Baldelli, you know, Jonathan Scope, maybe some other players, did others recruit Nelson to the Twins? Yeah, he hopped on a call with Thad and uh, Rocco uh, initially um, and then kept talking to Thad. And I know Scope had uh, was texting with uh, Nelson and uh, with Thad, uh, with both of them, uh, telling each side why... Uh, they needed the other. So, yeah, Scope definitely uh, was involved uh, and active uh, texting both of them the whole time. How excited is Nelson, and when will the deal become official? He's really excited. He's uh, planning to come up hopefully tomorrow and take the physical, and then if everything goes well, uh, he'll be official, I guess, by late tomorrow or Saturday if everything uh, goes according to plan. And he's excited to be hitting at Target Field compared to Safeco? Yeah, he's really excited about it. He's uh, He likes to hit everywhere, but I, I know he's looking to get into that lineup, and they've got a bunch of power around him, so he just wants to provide a little bit more power, and I think they can hit a ton of home runs next year together. Yeah, I mean, last year they were 23rd in the majors in home runs. What is the secret to Nelson's success? And we're talking with Bryce Dixon, the agent for Nelson Cruz, who agreed to terms with the Twins today. Bryce, what has been the secret to Nelson's success when many baseball players, you know, ages 35, 36, 37, even 34, 33 at times, break down, yet going back the last five, six years, he's consistent. 35 home runs, 90-something RBIs. How has he been able to hit all these home runs deep into his 30s? Yeah, I guess other than the God-given talent, he's been pretty diligent, especially later in his career, about the diet, uh, workout, and massage therapy, and uh, sleep. He's notoriously for getting uh, a ton of sleep, and he even takes naps before the ball game starts. So I, he, he's, he's meticulous uh, in all those facets, so I think that's kind of helped him uh, maintain his level of production when others drop off, uh, as you said, at, at this age and even well before it. We've come to really like Derek Falvey, Thad Levine, Rob Antney. What was it like negotiating with those guys? They're all class acts. They, uh, they you know, kept me informed of what they expected and wanted uh, the whole time. There were no surprises, and it was a pleasure dealing with all of them. How do you know, Bryce, like today was the day to agree to terms because, I mean, the Twins first reached out, what, weeks ago? You know, it's not like opening day is tomorrow. So how do you know that today was the right day to verbally agree to a deal? I, I guess you reach a point in the negotiations where uh, both sides have uh, had enough give and take where you realize, uh, you know, you're, you either 
want to pull the trigger on the deal or or you don't and we whittled it down to the the three most serious teams and had talked uh, a lot especially since the winter meeting so at a certain point you realize um that that you're at uh, I guess the go or, or no go point, and uh, we got to that point with the twins, and I think they're happy and we're happy, so um, everybody's happy. <laughs> Were any National League teams ever in the mix, or is he because he's pretty much a DH at this point in his career? Maybe he can play some right field, but you know he's going to be the DH most games. Was it mostly just American League teams that had the interest? Yeah, mostly American teams. I really didn't engage in any substantive discussion with NL teams. Um, some uh, rumors out there in some of the press from the local uh, NL clubs would would say that they'd heard that their front offices were interested, but I never really engaged in meaningful discussion with any of them. He can play right field and left field uh, if needed. He played right field uh, down the stretch when they had a, a road trip to Arizona and San Diego, and they were... Um, kind of teetering on the brink of whether they were going to make a wild card push or not. And Cruz went to service the uh, Mariners manager at the time and said, please uh, play me in the, in the games in the national league park all game. I don't want to just be a pinch hitter at the end. I'd like to, I'd like to be in there for every at bat to give the team the best chance of winning these games. And he did well. How strong Bryce was the temptation. We're talking about Bryce Dixon, the agent for Nelson Cruz. Bryce, how strong was the temptation to go ring chasing and sign with Houston? He he liked uh, he liked the the uh, ballpark, especially in Houston uh, with the short left field. But um, he he listened to to all three of the teams um, the same. And at the end, you know, the, it was clear that the Twins. Um, wanted him the most, and he wanted to go uh, to a place that valued him, uh, you know, over and above what the other uh, teams were offering. Can we just slot him in the cleanup spot, like in the conversations with Baldelli? Did Rocco say, "Hey, Nelson, you're my number four hitter"? I, when they talked with him, I'm sure that they talked about where he might hit. I assume that he'll be there, but they can hit hit him uh, wherever they want. I would assume right there in the middle, though, is, is where they want uh, him to him to hit. What kind of leader is Nelson when thinking about Miguel Sano or a Jorge Polanco, specifically, though, Miguel Sano? What yeah. kind of leader, what kind of influence can Cruz have on a guy like Miguel Sano? He's a real good one-on-one guy. He's not... Um, he's a big guy who is soft-spoken, and he doesn't... Uh, lead i guess team speeches but on a one-on-one basis he's real good he was uh good last year kind of helping kyle seager through a slump that he went through and always kept his spirits up he he leads by example but he also is almost always in a real good mood so he uplifts the people around him and yes i i do think he can be a good uh be a good influence on snow and also uh i think uh scope uh told Thad during the recruiting process that uh, Cruz was instrumental with Scope and Manny Machado in the beginning of their careers, kind of giving them insights and and tips into hitting major league pitching and sequencing and just a whole array of stuff that that he told uh, the front office that Nelson kind of accelerated the uh, growth process for those two. I'll leave you with this, Bryce. In a goofy way, this might sound really goofy, but in a goofy way, (laughs) 
his 50-game suspension going back six, five years, whenever that was, did that actually yeah. have a positive impact? Again, goofy, but a positive impact on him that he overcame that adversity? I mean, you look at his numbers, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. He really responded strongly after that suspension. Yeah, I definitely think he he felt like he had something to prove. You would have to ask him, and I'm sure he would be candid with you in the response, but I know back then he was suffering from a stomach bacteria that weakened him severely, and he made a bad decision, and I know regrets it. And, yeah, I'm sure in the back of his mind it fueled uh, him even more to go out there and prove to people that that wasn't uh, what uh, supplied those numbers that it was him so yeah you know maybe maybe in a subconscious way um it has it has helped him i guess and propel him even longer in his career follow him on twitter at bryce h dixon the agent for nelson cruz bryce dixon bryce thank you so much for your openness thanks for having me that the voice of bryce dixon he just got done doing a deal with the minnesota twins nelson cruz to the twins I could have kept going, but we're up against the clock. I was curious on one year versus two years team option. The Twins do agree to terms, though, with Nelson Cruz. One year, $14 million with a $300,000 buyout or a $12 million team option in 2020. Nelson Cruz, boomstick. I like it. To the Minnesota Twins. I'm with you. I really, really like it. Back tomorrow, Bobby Marks, Sage Rosenfels, and others. Have a great evening, everyone.